Walking around town thinking about someone else. It's a nice change to take the focus off myself. Hello. My name is Sean O'Leary. This documentary is called What Binds Us. To start with, I realized that the impact that sports has had on my life and the contributions it has made in communities across the globe. When we think of sports, we think of elite, major, world-class athletes and how amazing they are. We also think about sports on a personal level, in our own lives and lifestyles. Sports is a recreation and how it is important to our health and to our physical and mental well-being. We think of gym class and helping children and youth who are already fit. We also think about those who are the couch potato, the child who prefers playing video games instead of play in the neighborhood and on a team. All youth are benefited by exercise. It is a valuable part of their daily activities and they will live a more full life by taking part in the outdoors. What can truly be better for a person of any age than a good sweat? Most familiar is elite level sports. When we think of this, we think about our favorite sports teams. The Chicago Blackhawks of the NHL. The New England Patriots of the NFL. Perhaps the New York Yankees of the MLB. If you're a baseball fan. These all serve as an example of major money-making franchises and businesses. This appeals to the broader generation. So familiar to our friends, families, and us as an audience. But what about those who are less familiar? What about their contributions? Think of Stephanie Dixon, Canada's most decorated swimmer of all time. What about Michelle Stilwell? world record holder, and six-time Paralympic gold medalist. It may seem like these two are examples of well-established and well-known individuals, but they have overcome great obstacles and challenges. Stephanie was born with one leg, competing against other athletes with no disability and winning those races. This is only possible because the development of her upper body overcompensating for her missing leg. She went on to win 19 Paralympic medals. Make no mistake about it, the Olympics are one of the highest levels in sports. The Paralympics are full of values and positive sportsmanship. Being one of the major competitions in the world, although not always seen as one of the highest levels in sports. The Paralympic athletes know just how hard it is to make it and are aware of how others on the outside looking in are wrong if they think this is not one of the major achievements in sports. When we look at sports on the highest level, we often don't include women and think it is a man's world or a money-making venture first. Even in the Olympics, women are often not seen as equal to men. It is not to say 
that female athletes are not seen as great athletes. For example, Penny Alexiak. She is a well-decorated athlete and is here to share that young female athletes belonging to the next generation are already a big part of sports and ready to take the next step. Let's talk about Penny. Penny is 16 years old. She is 6 foot 4 inches and will graduate from Toronto High School in 2018. At Rio, she became the first Canadian at the Summer Olympics to win four medals in one Olympics. She won gold in her sport swimming in the 100 meter freestyle in the Olympic record. She became Canada's most decorated swimmer of all time at the regular Olympics. For her efforts, she became the youngest recipient of the Lou Marsh Award as Canada's top athlete in history in 2016. As a fan and citizen of this country, the success of Canada's woman over the last couple of Olympics in particular make it hard to ignore Canadian female Olympians. Penny, an example of hard work and success, is a reminder to not doubt athletes because they are young. She gets all the credit she deserves. It is Silken Lawman who became a pioneer for the women's athletic movement. Born in Mississauga, Ontario, she is one of Canada's most inspirational athletes. Silken, a Canadian world champion rower and multi-Olympic medalist, changed the way we look at female athletes, especially those at the elite level, where there is still lots of stereotypes. Back then, the 27-year-old Silken was taking part in practice at the World Championships. The reigning champion sustained a major injury. She dealt with it and made a surprise comeback in the Barcelona Olympics, winning bronze. This all-time famous comeback is considered one of the great Canadian sports stories. At the time, women were making much less money than men, and they received much less credit for representing their countries. She fought hard with her positive attitude, stating in public interviews that we need to change the way leadership is dealt with in our country. Silken is one of Canada's most decorated athletes, not just by medals, most importantly by recognition. She was the first athlete outside the USA in history to win the William Rudolph Courage Award. She won this in 1997. A pioneer, she was one of the first women to ever win the Lou Marsh Award in 1991. After her career, she was added to the Olympic Hall of Fame and the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. In total, she won 33 historical Canadian awards, most of them among the greatest honors in Canadian history. She has always looked out for those who are vulnerable, especially women in sports and autistic children. She cites her highly autistic stepdaughter Kylie as someone who she is very proud of. Since her reign, there have been other examples of women who meant so much to the women's sports movement.
Perdita Felician, another outstanding female athlete, is a track star, who in 2004 became the first female track and field athlete in Canada to win a world championships. She fought her for her family's rights. Her mother, Kathy Brown, was an immigrant from St. Lucia in the Caribbean. Perdita opened doors for female athletes of other nationalities. Though women are treated better today compared to not so long ago, they are not truly given the credit they deserve. Major leagues like the NHL, NBA, MLB, and NFL are an example of where male athletes are paid considerably higher than women in the same sport. There is a long-standing attitude that men are better at it and are better athletes than women. This offends many female athletes and other women are generally affected by this also. I suspect some male athletes too. There is no reason why young girls aspiring to get involved in sports should act a certain way or take part in only specific activities. These youth are still often judged as women who come second. This is heartbreaking. It's clear after talking to these athletes that looking after our female athletes and giving more inclusion to women of all ages is very necessary. There are many women trying to work hard at male-dominated fields. We need more women athletes like Silken and Perdita, more women with challenges seen as great like Michelle and Stephanie. Even today, there is lots of work to do. Women still make less money than men. Female Paralympians also are not always seen as to be as good as their male counterparts. We need more women behind the scenes in sports. For example, Kiyomi Thompson. We must find a way of including women more in other parts of the field. This inequality needs to be seen and changed. We all benefit from women standing with men. What a great thing it would be to join hand in hand as friends and share the dream of equality as one. Perdita Felician was born to be a track star from a very young age. She was so young when she was first recognized. Her story is one of great success and continues to today. Oh gosh, a little bit of everything. I am a freelance broadcaster, so um, you might have seen me at the Olympics this past summer working with CBC. So I cover a lot of their Olympic sports from track and field to, to winter sports. Um, also writing a book with uh, Penguin Random House, a memoir that will be out next spring, so around Mother's Day 2018. And of course, you know, I do a lot of my speaking and um, mentorship roles that I've kind of always done when I was an athlete. So all those things keep me busy. Yeah, so I was born in Oshawa, Ontario. Um, that's probably about 40 minutes east of Toronto for anybody listening. And uh, grew up there with, you know, my four siblings and my mother. And so I got into track and field when we moved when I was nine to Pickering, Ontario. And I there used to be a standardized test. They don't have it anymore, but it used to be called Canada Fitness. And so when I was in grade three, I was the only one in my gym class to get the highest level which they call the excellence badge. And my teacher, Mrs. Arthurs, 
gave everybody else their badges and their pins. And then at the end of this class, she said, but there's only one person in the entire class, boys and girls, who got the highest level. Uh-huh. And of course, we're all, we're all on pins and needles thinking like, okay, who is this? And then she said my name. And oh, honestly, man. yeah, that was the first time I had been recognized for like, you know, my athletic ability. And I, I was too young to try out for the track team. You had to be in grade four. You had to be age nine. And so the next year, Mrs. Arthurs remembered me and made sure to get me to sign up for the track and field team. So isn't that interesting how, you know, one person can kind of just really help change, you know, the course of your life? Indeed, it did change the course of her life. And Canada is so proud of her and all of her achievements. Sukin Lawman was born to be a rower. Um, I got into rowing when I was a teenager and was sort of in my late teens, which is a great time to actually start rowing. I was a competitive runner. I got injured, and uh, my sister was already a rower and uh, had been pestering me uh, to try the sport. So way back in the fall of uh, 1982, I, I started rowing, and I can honestly say I fell in love with it instantly. Her commitment has established her as one of our country's greats. She is cited as very important for the female movement in sports. Michelle Stilwell, now a politician, seems to have always given back to her community, even before her involvement in politics. Eventually, this is the direction her life and career led to, to much the pride of her family and community. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty easy question. You know, in, in my life as an athlete and throughout growing up, there were lots of opportunities for me to take leadership roles where I used my voice to advocate for different reasons and uh, different people. And so when the election came in 2013 and the premier came to me in 2012 and 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 told me that, you know, it was an important time for our province and she'd love to see me step up and take a leadership role. You know, I, I had a lot of questions and, of course, lots of conversations with my, my husband and my family about what our lives would look like after taking that political uh, pathway. And uh, eventually I made the decision to put my name forward. Michelle stepped up to the plate, as always. She delivered for her community. Stephanie Dixon, as one of Canada's greats, has always loved nature. She eventually made the decision to commit to her love for nature full-time. Stephanie now calls the North her home, fulfilling her passion. Yeah, um, I mean, I think most people who live in the Yukon have a similar story, that you come up here to visit, um, and then you recognize it's just such an incredible place and never leave. So I came up for a month's visit five years ago, and I'm still here. Um, it's a beautiful place. It is raw, untouched wilderness, mm-hmm. um, and it's a community of people who are all into the environment, healthy and active, want to be taking advantage of the outdoors. And so it creates a very vibrant community, and it's very um, diverse. There's lots of arts and culture and sport, and um, yeah, I guess it's kind of a niche for everybody up here, and I think we just, we all feel very fortunate to get to live in a very rare part of Canada that yeah. not a lot of people get to experience and mm-hmm. see things like moose and bears and the northern lights. It's it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, beautiful. And it's a very 
strong First Nation culture here um, that adds such a vibrant part to the community as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I really love it, and I hope all Canadians at some point get to visit the North. Female therapists have a very special place in sports because they are a minority in a field dominated by men. Well, being with volleyball and basketball, I definitely saw a lot of ankle sprains and wrist and thumb sprains. But dealing with a high-contact sport like rugby, I saw everything from concussions to dislocations and, you know, lacerations, sprains and strains and all of the above. (laughs) Well, in my second year, I did my placement at St. Michael's University School and I worked on the uh, senior girls volleyball and basketball team. And then in my third year, I did my placement with the UVic women rugby team. Um, And basically from what I learned is there's no, you know, cookie cutter way to rehabilitate someone and you have to cater it to the individual athlete and their goals and work around that um, because no no two injuries are the same. Hands-on experience is also very important to the process. The love for sports is very necessary, especially at the professional level. Yeah, absolutely. I had a great experience doing it. Um, there's a lot of one-on-one contact with your teachers, and it's a it's a very hands-on program. So if you're into learning like that, and if you're a visual learner, then it's a great program to be in. And it definitely prepares you for what you're actually going into in the real world, which is really good. The great program in Camosun College is rich in history and first-rate. Kiyomi feels lucky to have had the opportunity to have earned her degree in the field. The first focus of sports at the highest level is to compete. But a very important aspect of sports is to develop and influence the nation, and this is something that 16-year-old Penny has achieved. Oh, well, I got into swimming just because, I guess, like, my mom did it. And also, I think it was just kind of interesting for me, and my neighbor had a pool, so I'd always swim in there and everything. And I don't know, I think I just liked swimming lessons, so then I kind of just got more into swimming. Penny grew up in Toronto, surrounded by other swimmers where she felt truly at home. Being groomed for competition is the biggest challenge for an athlete, especially at this level. Greater even still is the honor of representing our country. Penny's family and friends have influenced her greatly. She in turn means so much to her generation. Competing for their country is something most children dream about. At one time or another we have watched others do exactly that. Part of that dream is sharing this with our friends and family and teammates. Um, I think that it's all kind of just a team effort just because you can't really get to where you are without your coach and your teammates and everything. And if I hadn't been training with the girls that I was training with last year, I honestly don't think I would have got individual medals or relay medals just because they were the ones that helped push me and keep me in the right state of mind the whole year. So I'm just really, really grateful for having people there to support me throughout my whole year last year going up to Rio. 
Late last year, Penny's team, consisting of Taylor Ruck, Shelton Van Landegam, and Cedrine Mayville, won the Canadian Press Team of the Year. Sometimes athletes can seem to have come out of nowhere. This is the case for many athletes who are not quite sure what I want to be as athletes. They just love sports, in particular their sport. Um, so early competitions, yeah, I had never heard of the Paralympic Games when I first got into swimming. So I was competing against swimmers who had two legs. Um, and it never really discouraged me. I, I always felt like, you know, everyone has a strength and a weakness, and my kicking with only one leg was, was not my strength, right. so I focused more on my arms, uh, and I was able to hold my own. I did quite well against swimmers without disabilities uh, and really just enjoyed the challenge of competing against my own time. You know, in swimming, everyone has their own lane, so there's not really a winner or a loser. Everyone's just trying to better their times. Right. So I really enjoyed those first few competitions they sucked me in and and i always just really liked that everyone could support each other and uh and everyone could walk away feeling like they did something better that day than they'd ever done before Mm -hmm. or at least learn something from their races so that was the part of swimming that really appealed to me it is amazing what an individual can do when they put their best effort forth the Paralympics is all about persons with challenges overcoming a deficit. The Paralympics creates a great opportunity for individuals with disabilities to be connected. It is everyone's right to be a, live a happy, happy and full life. Well, I really, I, I believe that, you know, a, living a full, healthy active life is for everybody. It's not just for some people. And so I'm grateful that I grew up in a place like Canada and was able to represent Canada um, at the Paralympic Games on an international level. Um, And I think in Canada, we do have many opportunities, but it's still, there's still a lot of barriers for some people to participate, not only in sport, but fully in life. Mm -hmm. And and life is for everybody, and I think that Canada can be a leading nation in the world for accessibility, and should be. We're so fortunate for the values that we have in our culture, the resources that we have, um, that we should be a leading nation. And while we've made a lot of progress and we're doing well, we still have a lot of work to, yeah. to go, and I think it's important to, to highlight that, because I think people maybe think that Canada is more accessible and inclusive than it is, and, mm-hmm. and you know, being a person with a disability and knowing, you know, the difficulties, not only from in a physical standpoint, but on an emotional standpoint, a, mm-hmm. a social standpoint, the stigma that comes along with having a disability mm-hmm. is really tough. So I think it's important to be vocal about that. And so people understand, you know, the, the barriers that we still have in place for many people to, to feel good about themselves, to participate fully in life um, so that we can continue to move forward and make Canada more inclusive. Stephanie points out that it is important to be happy with the way things are, even if it doesn't seem perfect you can choose to see things in a positive way. Mm. Yeah, attitude is massive. I mean, I think that it is 
every person's right to have opportunities in life and, and to be included in, in life and culture. But the attitude aspect is the one thing that we can control. Nobody can control that for us. And life is not fair. I mean, that's just the way it is. And we can work towards making life more just and more inclusive. But at the end of the day, it's never going to be 100% fair. It's just not the way that things are. And, and so I think it's important to be grateful for what you do have instead of focusing on what you don't have. Mm. And recognizing that progress needs to be made, but this is where things are at today. So I don't want to spend all of my time dwelling and being upset about the opportunities I don't have. I'm going to focus on what I do have. Um, Because as far as we know, we only have this one life and we need to make it as amazing as we possibly can, even in light of um, unjust situations. Uh, And so I think that, you know, changing your perspective, changing your attitude it can change your world, and uh-huh. and it can also change the world of people around you. And so we need to remember that, yes, opportunities are our are, are right, and we should have lots of things provided for us. However, we are in control of our attitude, and we have to take responsibility for that. Something must be done about the way we look at high-level sports. It is male-dominated. For example, men are paid so much more money than women. It is time to change that. It is time to treat women as the great athletes they are, instead of as sex objects, similar to how cheerleaders are forced to wear little clothing and are used as sex objects. They are deserving of great appreciation. Not to say that women are not seen as great athletes, but at the moment it seems to be a minority. Over the decades and even centuries, the evolution of women has changed vastly. Female athletes are allowed to participate much more. This is something they have earned, not something to be amazed by. It seems that at the moment there is still a lot of work to be done, not just for great athletes like Stephanie and Penny, but for Kiyomi and other trainers and coaches. Silken has seen this firsthand in sports. Well, you know, it's quite funny to look back because, like everybody, um, you know, I don't feel that old, right? And, and, then, and then I go back and I think, like, wow, sport really ch- has changed a lot. Um, when I started sport in, in the 70s, I, I certainly remember running uh, in the streets of Mississauga where I grew up, and I was one of the only women and, and girl at that time who was running, you know, alone through all these streets and the cat calls and the guys that would slow down their car and, you know, whistle to you. And, like, that was just kind of normal back then and you just put up with it. Mm-hmm. And I think about that now and I think, like, oh, my God, like, uh, you know, that just wouldn't happen anymore. And I think the women's, the, you know, the rowing club that I joined when I first started it, they didn't actually have a women's change room. Mm. Right? Right. Like, yeah. Can you imagine? No, that's... And, yeah. yeah, and women didn't play rugby, and women didn't play hockey. And so there's been this amazing um, progression, and women also in rowing. We raced 1,000 meters, not 2,000 meters, because, you know, we, we the program would just take way too long if the women raced 2,000 meters. And there was always these excuses why women, you know, had fewer events, and women had, um, you know, shorter distances. And over time... So much has changed. We still, you know, we still have a long way to go. And I think the, I think the place that we 
really have a long way to go is sport leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, We just don't have enough women being taken seriously and being valued as coaches uh, in the high paying and high prestige university jobs in this country. There's far more men than women Mm -hmm. in, um, you know, in sport leadership. Like if you look at the boards of the amateur sport associations, you'd be appalled at how few women are involved Mm. and, uh, and, and recognized and respected and names being put forward. And, Having been on a lot of boards myself, I understand how that happens. Mm-hmm. You get a room full of men uh, who all kind of know each other or, you know, they invited somebody else on the board and they're all very capable and um, have good jobs and all those things, right? And so then it comes to somebody comes off the board, oh, let's recommend somebody else. It's after the men, recommend, you know, recommending their male colleagues and friends. Mm. And so it kind of just perpetuates itself. And so kind of only when we get to this place of taking it, like, look, we really need to change the face of sport uh, leadership in this country by really uh, pushing that equal representation of women and men. The more female athletes achieve excellence in their sport, the more acknowledgement and respect they receive. Women in coaching and management, as well as crew behind the scene, will impact the next generation. A great example of this is Perdita Felician. Perdita is well aware of her recognition, which has been very impactful and monumental for women in the country of Canada. She feels very honored to have been in so many people's hearts and has a deep history of being a pioneer. You know, it's really humbling. It's really, really humbling because I, um, in everything that I did, I did it because I was so proud to be Canadian. And, you know, in the book that I'm writing, it's called Gold Medal that will be out next spring. I talk about my sport journey, but then I talk about what happened in my life before that. You know, my tumultuous childhood, seeing, you know, my mother go through domestic abuse at the hands of my dad and her really fighting to stay in Canada because she was an immigrant. So she didn't have rights here. So she really fought to get a footing here and to be here legally. And so that's a story I've never told before until now. And so all the times that I was able to hold that flag high as a Canadian, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, there was a lot of history in that, in that gesture, right? right? There was a lot of history in staying on that podium because I'm like, oh my God, if people only knew what my mother went through so I could have this moment. Mm. And so when you talk about me being a pioneer, I mean, that gives me goosebumps because in everything that I strive to do, I strive to do it, one, to make my mother proud, to make Mm. my country proud, right? This country that she she has told me first and foremost, yes, I am St. Lucian, but you are born here and you are a Canadian. And that's a part of an identity that she has forged in me. And so the fact that I've opened this door somewhat and other Canadian athletes have gone through it, other herders have gone through it, you know, I take great pride and satisfaction in that. Perdita loves her country and loves competing for many reasons, including for her mom who fought to stay in Canada to give her a better life. There is so much pressure on an athlete to perform. They have a lot to live up to. Perdita's mother, Catherine, Catherine Brown, is seen as a major inspiration. 
When Perita was injured, she thought about overcoming her injury to make him run proud. Every athlete faces injuries. It is part of sports. Experts will often suggest rehab, but it can take a long time to recover depending on the severity of the injury. This is where expertise becomes necessary. Well, like I said earlier, there's no two injuries that are the same, so there's a lot of factors that depend on it. Um, anything from just the individual, the severity of the injury, um, you know, their, even their nutrition plays a role. So based on their, you know, rehab compliancy and just the individual itself, you can't really put a, a definitive timeline on it because there's a lot of factors that depend on, on rehab. In addition to injuries, some people have limitations. The body will always try to overcome these limitations by overcompromising other parts of an individual's physique. Mm. Well, I think that um, for me, I mean, I never had my other legs, so it was just something that um, was normal for me as I learned how to swim. My body adapted to not having that right side. Um, and I think you focus on your strengths. You know, I had one really strong leg. Um, so, you know, kicked, tried to kick with the power of two legs, but within that one leg, uh, uh-huh. and then really strong arms. My, my upper body adapted so well to overcompensate for that right, missing yeah. leg. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I think you just have to play to your strengths, um, and, and, you know, try and improve upon your weaknesses, but really play to your strengths and, and race your own race and not compare yourself to other people. There are advantages some athletes have over others. For example, Penny Alexiak is six foot four. This summer reach is out of the ordinary. Sometimes these types of phenomenons result in other limitations. Penny states that there are some things she wants to work on. Um, I think that uh, I kind of want to work on fixing that a bit just because I don't think I can keep that strategy going for much longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coming from behind all the time because mm-hmm. I feel like people are eventually going to be like, okay, well, we could stay ahead and then stay ahead near the end too. But, um, I'm definitely trying to learn to fix that and to be able to just, I don't know, go out faster and stay with people and hopefully then finish my race better. Uh-huh. And I think that'd be the best way to race. But uh, right now, I, I guess that's kind of what I do, but not really on purpose. I don't know, maybe. Yeah. I think it's just like it takes me some time to like get into the race. Sport at its peak will always require heart as the biggest challenge and most important aspect of competition, especially in the Olympics. Yeah, it really just showed me what it meant to be a high-performance high athlete. Because you get to the Olympics and you see these women who are larger than life. A lot of them, you know, I'd seen in magazines or I'd seen on TV. And you see how focused and determined and serious they are. And, you know, I'm this little wispy, skinny, you know, 20-year-old who literally had just been in the sport for two years before that, and all of a sudden I'm among, you know, the, the heavyweights in my sport. It prepared me to realize, okay, this is not a joke. Uh-huh. Two, you have to be super focused. And, and three, this is the 
pinnacle of sport. This is it. So before I was actually ready to compete well, I got a glimpse into what it, what it took. And so when these high-caliber events came around, you know, year after year after year, I already knew the intensity, and it took a bit of that edge and that nervous, you know, that nervousness out of it. Right, okay. She was successful, but in Beijing 2008, Perdita Felician dealt with a leg injury that would hinder her comeback in the Olympics. She tried to do her best, but the injury would not allow her to compete. Perdita was one of the highest ranking athletes in the world in her sport. I did give a, a good effort in Beijing, and you know my four years leading to you know from Athens to Beijing was a good fight. Like I was still ranked top five in the world. You know I still you know was winning races and you know winning Canadian titles. So it still went well. But yeah, right months leading into the Beijing Games, you know after winning a world championship, the uh, medal, you know the summer before in in '07 in Japan, I picked up another injury. And so this is the thing about being an Olympian. You get one shot every four years. Right. We're not NBA stars or NFLers who every single year, you know, have their Super Bowl or have the NBA championship. Right. We don't. Mm-hmm. And so if you play the odds of every four years versus every year, our chances are so hard. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just never was able in those four years to get healthy on the day it counted, which is unfortunate. But life goes on in track and field you still have to compete Mm -hmm. you still make money and so for me it was another disappointment um but it really opened me up because i went to beijing as a broadcaster for cbc and i found you know my love after a career as an athlete individuals want to give back to the sports that made them such great and important parts of their legacy it is very important to the process and keeps that momentum going for new and experienced current athletes. Yeah, oh, it's so much work. It's uh, it's very humbling as an athlete to then go on the other side and be a part of the background um, of putting together, um, you know, the resources for Team Canada to compete. Because, you know, you think as an athlete you work hard, but it's just a fraction of what goes on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. The amount of hours and work and blood, sweat, and tears that goes into making a Games happen, not only, you know, on Team Canada, but a Games for all of the countries. The, the manpower is absolutely astonishing. Um, and I, I hope many athletes retiring will get involved to see the other side um, because it just makes you feel so grateful that so many people decide to dedicate their lives to creating this opportunity for you to compete um, and also to give back. I mean, giving back feels so good. I am the person I am because of Paralympic sports, so I want to stay involved for the rest of my life and make sure as many people as possible have that same opportunity. It means so much to see many athletes give back to their country. It is important for women to lead the way and be leading examples for younger generations of female athletes that look up to women in sports and inspire the female movement. Retired athletes are committed to giving back to the sport that their opportunity to have a career and legacy that the sport has provided them. 
This giving back inspires and mentors current athletes. Most women in sports have, feel they have much to prove. There are female athletes that have proven beyond doubt how amazing they can be. Overcoming challenges is something all athletes face. There are debtors for all athletes. But competing with one leg, as extreme a challenge as that is, would not stop Stephanie. Well, I got into swimming when I was very young. Um, I was born missing one of my legs, and my parents put me in the water when I was probably about two years old. Um, and I tried lots of other sports as well. They wanted me to to know that uh, having one leg wasn't going to mean that I couldn't do things. So they wanted me to try as many sports as possible when I was really little. But swimming was always the thing that drew me in the most. And I always loved being in the water more than anywhere else. So when I was 12 years old, I started to competitively swim. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was after that that I learned about the Paralympic Games. And so kind of made it my mission to hopefully one day represent Canada. And I Mm -hmm. ended up competing in three Paralympic Games and winning 19 medals for Canada. Stephanie carries great values and a positive attitude to competition. Someone to look up to and admire to as an example of what the human spirit can do when your heart is set on it. Small towns don't have the same resources that cities do. The future in small towns depends on sticking together. Kiyomi is inspired to give back to her community in Kitimat. She knows she may be useful in the building of her community. Uh, Well, my long-term goal is to actually open up my own rehab clinic in Kitimat, where I'm from. Just the accessibility for rehab is pretty limited there, so I'd like to just give back to my community. Um, But the great thing about athletic therapy is there's just so many doors that you can go. So if one thing doesn't work out, you can just go on to the next one. So I'd like to just try out different aspects of the field and see what I like the most and then go from there. Getting involved in sports does not require a narrow focus. As with Kiyomi, there are many ways to get involved in sports without being an athlete. A coach has the responsibility of looking after an athlete's best interests. They do care for an athlete much like a counselor deals with a client. What happens stays between the athlete and the coach. The relationship is constant and continuous. The athlete relies on the coaches and the coach requires the best out of his athlete. Yeah, my coach Gary Winkler was my coach for 10 years. And um, what is really interesting, what I learned about coaches is sometimes as an athlete, you feel like all the good and all the bad happens to you, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't understand that, oh my God, my coach is in the trenches with me day in and day out. And so everything that I feel, he feels as well. It probably took me seven years to realize this, right? Like that he takes it with him the same way that I do. And so for me with Gary, he was a mastermind behind everything that I did because yes, I was talented. Yes, genetically I was good. And yes, I was super focused and hardworking, but someone has to write my program. Someone has to oversee my program Someone has to tell me how fast I need to run. Someone has to tell me how many hurdles to go over. 
And they have to be able to do that year after year after year and have me at prime condition when it counts. And Gary was always able to do that. And he also developed me as a human being, right? right? It wasn't just about, yeah, let's jump 10 hurdles fast and see what you get. It was like, how are you treating the people around you? And when I would make a, a bad call, Gary would be there. I remember in 05, um, I had a, um, a buy to get to the world championships because I was the reigning world champion from 03. And I didn't want to run the Canadian trials because I was dealing with a bit of a niggle and you know, I was not super motivated that summer. And he called me out. He's like, you owe it to your country to be at the, the Canadian championships. He's like, you don't get to take days off just because you don't feel like it. And I mean, I look back on that. I was, you know, immature. I was still developing. You know, I was only one year as a pro. And I look back on that now. I'm like, that was tough love. Mm. You know, he saw me making a bad call. He's like, you don't get to do that, mm. right? Just because mm-hmm. you're not in the mood. And so good coaches are the ones that don't just develop kids, you know, to be talented athletes, but they develop them to be talented and well-rounded citizens of this world. Yeah, so so Ron and Peter were amazing coaches, and I had met Ron at an international competition in 2002, um, and I just fell in love with his dedication and passion and, you know, just his whole outlook on sport in general. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so passionate. It almost oozes out of him, and I was just really attracted to that. So um, I came out to, uh, to UVic to work with him and Peter, and, you know, they they just, when they see an athlete, they see all of the potential in the world, mm-hmm. and they really help you to get there, and they see more in you than you can see in yourself most of the time, and, and you really need to surround yourself with people like that if you want to be the best person or best athlete that you can be, right. so I always was just trying to live up to the athlete that they believed I could be, um, and eventually was able, you know, to, to make it there, and so I definitely give uh, a lot of credit to them for creating that environment where, um, you know, every success you have is only a stepping stone to the next one you're going to have in the future. You know, it was never, it was, it does, I don't want it to sound bad, but it's like nothing was ever good enough. But I mean that in a positive way is uh-huh. that, okay, this is the best you can do for today. That's great, but we can do better tomorrow and better the next day. And right. so with with that attitude, I was able to become a better athlete than I would have without, without them. A good coach will always find a way of helping the athlete perform at their best. They make the athlete remember all the steps that make them better performers. At the Olympics, all the dedication of an athlete is witnessed on the podium after a competition. This is where an athlete remembers their coach and all the individuals that help them get there. Mm. Yeah, Sean, it's, it's hard to put into words. You know, it is just one of those things where years and years of hard work comes down to a single moment. And, you know, sometimes the race only lasts for one minute. And but so much of your life goes into that one minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to stand on the podium and to kind of give it that context and recognizing, no, I did not win in that one minute. I, I won from the work of my whole life and the right. lessons from my whole life. Uh-huh. And, and so it, it, it's hard to put into words the emotion that, that come from a moment like that where you see years and years of hard work and not only your hard work, but your family's hard work to support you and your coach's hard work and your teammates' hard work that all goes into that one race. And so I think the, the overwhelming senses of gratitude uh, for the amount of 
opportunities that you have and the amount of people that love and support you knowing that you wouldn't be there without them. That winning race never happens for some. And most. For those that make it, a coach is quick to point out their athlete deserves to be there. Reminding the athlete of all the work they have put in. Standing on the podium, there are three steps. One, bronze. Step two, silver. And at the top, gold. Um, It's pretty crazy to hear just because I feel like you... It doesn't really set in until that happens when you're standing on the podium and you're listening to your anthem. I, it, it just takes a little while to set in. This moment can seem to last for a lifetime. At that moment on the podium, Penny is reminded of the others on the podium and all the races they competed against. This can be a great feeling. Another thing that you feel on this podium is pride for your country. All of that work you put in is received, not just by your teammates or coaches or friends, and even family, but your country. There's, a, there's no words to truly describe the pride that you have when you get to wear that jersey or the Canadian jacket and see the flag rise and hear your anthem play, knowing that you live in a country uh, with great democracy and that has given you so much and that you have so much to be thankful for to be uh, able to live in such an amazing country. Uh, there's, you're, it was an abundance of pride, really, to be able to do that and, and acknowledge that there were so many people along the way that supported me. And when I stood on the podium, it wasn't about me winning a medal for myself. It was about winning a medal for all of Canada. Um. I really, really enjoy competing for Canada just because I know that, well, not everyone, but like, um, I know I have a lot of support in Canada just because uh, I haven't really received like any hate from anyone ever. It's more just like a lot of love, and it's just amazing to see how much support there actually is, right. and I think that's why I just love competing for Canada. The medals and being on the podium only last for a brief moment. Athletes will always talk about their journey and what got them there. Oh, that's an interesting question. You know, they, that would be like asking me which gold medal am I most pr proud of. And, <laughs> yeah. and you know, the, the thing about all the medals is they have a unique story behind them and they have a, a different journey that I took to obtain them. So when I think of standing on the podium in 2000 uh, for my first time alongside 11 other incredible athletes to represent Canada for the first time and hear that anthem play uh, was memorable. And it was something that, you, that I thought at the time nothing would ever beat it. And then when I had the opportunity again in 2008 to represent our country in Beijing, it was a different journey to get there because from the change of being a teammate uh, on the wheelchair basketball team to being an individual athlete in track and field, it, as much as you have a team of people surrounding you and helping you along the way, at the end of the day, you are the one who 
comes to the start line at that moment and you've put all the training in and you've done everything you possibly can to prepare for that moment when the gun goes off. So when you're on the podium, it really is about being able to achieve something that you sometimes felt was such a dream and something so far out of reach and to have it become a reality is a unique experience in itself. And then, of course, in in 2012 in London, it was about being able to repeat those same experiences. And, you know, it's one thing to get to the top and be at the top of your game, but it's another to stay there. And constantly when you are in that position, you have people doing their very best to knock you down and to have the opportunity to beat you. So it, it again, was a different experience in London. Female athletes change the world with their achievements and success. They make the world a better place. They entertain the nation and wear their flag proud. They impact the next generation by giving hope to young girls and young boys. They provide great sportsmanship that is important to making sports accessible and inclusive. There is no doubt that there is a brilliant future in women's sports, thanks to so many great athletes that have paved the way in helping and inspiring. Well, I think that everybody has their own platforms to change the world, right? So, um, you know, you, you have your radio show and you can highlight things that you think are important in your own way you're changing the world you're getting people to think you're introducing them to ideas and people that they may not know and I think that every single person has that in their own way whether it's a smaller scale like where you are maybe influencing half a dozen to a dozen people on a regular basis to me where I have the opportunity to speak to 20,000 young people at WeWay uh, I have the opportunity to, you know, be in these Hall of Fames and maybe some little kid who's seven years old reads my story and goes, cool, <laughs> right? Mm. And, um, and being in textbooks and um, just having written books myself. And I, that's not why I started rowing. It's not what I loved about rowing. It's not why I wrote any of my books or materials that I've written. But it's a, it's a byproduct of it, and that part is a privilege. I guess that's what I feel. I feel like it's a privilege to this, still in my life, in this place in my life, where I'm still able to inspire and encourage and support other people. Even the smallest person can change the course of the future. This is a quote from Lord of the Rings. It means that everyone has something to offer, and this is, must be realized if we want to have a happy and loving existence in this world. There's a stream of information in movies, books, and radio where people can access information about sports in their community. It is very important for this information to have a positive impact on its audience. I am proud to say that Silken has had a meaningful, positive, and happy impact on my life.
Walking around town thinking about someone else It's a nice change to take the focus off myself Seeing good in things I only usually see bad Seeing happy faces where I usually see sad Dirty on the pages in a bookstore where I Never spent a cent but I have spent a lot of time Walking to my cafe and they know me by my name Will it be the usual the pretty girl said?